Urban Forum Northwest with your host, Eddie Rye Jr. Uh, I guess everybody's heard the devastating news that came out the U.S. Supreme Court uh, with uh, the Supreme Court justices. Uh, anyway, I have uh, Bob Armstead has been doing some work that uh, he is the president of the Washington chapter of the National Association of Minority Contractors. And uh, he's been working diligently to bring about uh, opportunity for the members of that organization and other folks that uh, look like us and other people of color. Also, Attorney Jesse Weinberry Sr. is a former Washington State legislator. Uh, he is the founder and leader of the Washington Equity Now Alliance. And we need some Equity Now Alliance in this <laughs> state. Uh, I was sharing with uh, Natalie Swaby from King 5 today that if you look at the numbers uh, from Washington State, affirmative action has been dead here for quite a while. Uh, the last uh, report from the Office of Minority and Women Business Enterprise indicated that uh, businesses owned by African-Americans received 0.18% of the state's buy. And shortly after that, uh, shortly after that, that we received a report from the Department of Enterprise Services, who is the state's procurement agency. And all minorities together didn't do well right there. So we've not had affirmative action in this state for quite a while. As a matter of fact, it was killed uh, in 1998 by then Governor Gary Locke, who issued Governor's Directive 98-01. So, Bob, you have been working because now, you know, we got another situation where uh, President Joseph Biden says 15% of the Infrastructure and Jobs Act money will go to minority firms. Well, Bob Armstead found out that $5 billion has been to Washington State already, and we don't know about anybody getting any close to aware of 15%. So, Bob, why don't you share that with us before we talk about the Supreme Court's decision today? Uh, okay, Eddie, and thanks for uh, for having me on. The uh, Biden-Harris administration signed into law the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act uh, in 2021, and actually, for us, the uh, the major uh, item in that act or in his announcement of the act was the fact at the time he said 10% of all funds uh, authorized on the act would be spent in minority communities and with minority businesses. He has since increased that 10% to 15%. What we have been attempting to do at the National Association of Minority Contractors since October with your help, uh, Eddie and others, is to determine who is responsible for ensuring that there are processes and procedures in place to ensure that that 15% is being spent, not will be, is being spent in minority communities and with minority businesses. Thus far at our monthly meetings, and we have one coming up on July the 6th, from 5 to 6.30 p.m., we've had the Deputy uh, Secretary of Commerce for the Minority Business Administration uh, speak at our meeting. We have had representatives from the U.S. Department of Transportation from Washington, D.C. speak at our meetings. We have had the U.S. Small Business Administration uh, speak at our meetings. And for those of in, in your audience that do not know, part of the Biden administration plan to ensure this participation level 
was to develop memorandums of understandings, MOUs, between the US Department of Transportation, the US Small Business Administration, and the US Department of Commerce through its Minority Business Development Agency to ensure that firms are ready and included to participate. So we have requested that they come and speak to us and to share with us what their plans are, what their processes and procedures are to ensure that this inclusion is happening. So far, we have not been able to get uh, specifics on that from anyone. We've also had uh, the largest recipient of infrastructure funds in Washington State, which is Sound Transit, uh, speak at our meetings. To their credit, uh, they did not have the specific information that we requested. They did make a commitment to uh, prepare and share that with us. They will be presenting at our August meeting. We are expecting an update on that uh, from them. We have been pursuing it this way because the size of the uh, funding of the Investment Act, uh, 1.5, 1.75 and whatever the number happens to be, is a huge number. And in order to get that out, what the administration is doing, which is the same thing that was done in 2008, is to have these very large mega contracts. And they're able to then, you know, tout the fact that they're spending lots of money. What has historically happened for our firms here in Washington State is that we've not been included on those contracts when there have been opportunities for our firms to participate in some of these mega projects, such as the Alaskan Way Viaduct project, our firms have been treated poorly to the extent that several of our firms were actually put out of business for attempting to perform on those contracts. This next week, July the 6th, when we have our general meeting from 5 to 6.30 p.m., we have invited and they have accepted to present at our meeting, the Washington State Department of Commerce. And the Washington State Department of Commerce is where the energy programs for Washington State happen to be located. Uh, and the reason that we went after them, uh, a week and a half ago when NAMAC had its National Board of Directors meeting, uh, one of the presenters there was the Department of Energy. And we have stated in all of our meetings that transportation has 60% of the funding, but that other 40%, which is a huge number, is out there, and we want access to that as well. What was particularly interesting about the Department of Energy and the programs that they presented is that they are small projects. The funding is large and the amount of work is large, but it's in small units. And the energy programs department at the US Department of Energy is charged with ensuring that small communities, small agencies, and minority businesses 
participate in programs such as weatherization, home rehab, community energy efficiency, clean buildings, and energy retrofit. And Eddie, you ask this question all the time. When are our firms going to be able to be prime contractors on this work so they do not have to work through other contractors that have shown an unwillingness to work with them? And when they do work with them, cause problems like they did on the Alaskan Waybada project. This particular energy program provides that opportunity. And for the first time, we have met with an agency that came to us because they are looking for our firms and our communities to help them uh, fulfill their commitment. So the way it was explained to us at the process work uh, the Department of Energy has a pot of money, several hundred billion dollars, that they will dispense on a formula to each of the states. In the state of Washington, the Washington State Department of Commerce uh, Energy Program Division is the unit within Washington State that will be receiving that funding. They are looking to uh, disperse that funding to uh, public agencies within the state of Washington. And those agencies in turn have the ability to direct contract uh, with our small businesses. So it's important that the agencies, our small businesses, uh, individuals and organizations within our community uh, nonprofit organizations that might need uh, weatherization or rehab to their facility, organizations that are looking for facilities. Uh, all of these types of things are uh, available to be funded through this particular program. But we need to have them to speak up, come up and get the information so that the businesses can request it from the agencies and the agencies can request it from the state. Okay, Bob Armstead, president of the Washington chapter of the National Association of Minority Contractors. And if you want information on the organization, go to www.namcwa.com. Okay, uh, we wanna go to, as we know we had a, a, a bolt of lightning hit today, although we've been experiencing discrimination in this state for the last 23 years with no affirmative action. Uh, Jesse, Attorney Jesse Weinberry Sr. is a former state representative, uh, has been the leader uh, of the Washington, uh, Washington Equity Now Alliance, WENA, uh, who have been advocating for affirmative action. They were able to successfully get uh, Governor James to sign an executive order last year, although uh, the numbers don't look like a whole bunch of courage since he signed that executive order. But I'd like to have Attorney Jesse Weinberry comment on what happened at the Supreme Court. He's been following this issue, ladies and gentlemen, and boys and girls, for the last couple of years that it's been in the court. So he is our expert. So uh, Attorney Jesse Weinberry, please go right ahead. No, thank you, Eddie, and thank you for being on top of this issue. Uh, my name is Jesse Weinberry. I'm, I'm not only an attorney, but I am one of the uh, few 
attorneys that's licensed and admitted and admitted to practice not just locally but before the United States Supreme Court. What comes with that uh, uh, admission before the before the U.S. Supreme Court bar is the ability to actually go in and not only argue cases but go in and be an eyewitness to any case that we choose uh, to observe. And last October 31st, yes, Halloween, uh, I received my invitation to attend the hearings uh, of the affirmative action cases, of which there are two. Um, and I attended on behalf of the Washington Equity Now Alliance for Washington State. And I heard the oral arguments. I was there uh, when uh, uh, Justice uh, Sonia Sotomayor was just fighting, just fighting on our behalf, but she's outnumbered. And uh, the six to three majority that handed down this decision were the same six that were ganging up on the three sisters. Yes, I consider Justice Kagan a uh, Jewish uh, a sister. She was on our side. So Sonia Sotomayor, uh, obviously Latina, but and also Katanji Brown Jackson. They were outnumbered, and it's because Donald Trump stacked the deck uh, during his single term in office with not one, not two, but three justices that committed to killing affirmative action and there's then there's uh, evidence of that and so when you when you look at this decision and see that they are basically shutting the doors of all of our colleges and universities because the harvard case was to shut the door on private colleges the university of north carolina case was to make sure the doors were going to be shut to us when it came to public colleges Right now, if you have a son, a daughter, or granddaughter, or grandchild, or if you yourself are in college, you need to count yourself, even get a t-shirt printed up, that you are the last. You are the last of the affirmative action uh, uh, students admitted to college in U.S. history. One of the things that they based this case on was repeatedly uh, the, the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. All that says is, each person or every person, uh, no person, I should say, shall be denied equal protection under the laws. But as you can see in this case, we are denying millions, millions of, 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 of children uh, uh, and young people of color, adults of color, women included, denying them the equal protection under the law to say that they can't show who they are. This is supposed to be a holistic admissions process, meaning the whole person. Well, your race is part of your person. Your ethnicity is part of your person. Your culture is part of your person. And they're saying now that you don't dare show up and show those items because they know if you show yourself, our numbers will continue to increase. Our numbers across the nation in terms of colleges and university admissions, both undergrad and graduate schools have gone through the roof because of the holistic admissions process. And one thing I want to say, and I want to thank the uh, uh, National Association of Minority Contractors, they are part of our alliance. Uh, Bob Armstead was there testifying before the King County Council and other uh, city councils and others to get Governor Inslee to sign that executive order. But let me say this, and, and it's somewhat to, to, to put a rocket booster on what the information he was giving earlier. Hurry up and find those funds. Hurry up and, and, and compete for those contracts. Because, ladies and gentlemen, it's only a matter of time before this new law becomes the basis of lawsuits from organizations like Associated General Contractors to say, oh, now that the new law is that you can't use race, 
well, we want to challenge the use of race in contracting, or we want to challenge the use of race in employment. They may even try to get rid of BSUs on campus, Black student unions, because of the word Black. And so anything that reeks of race is in jeopardy. Let me be clear. Anything that reeks of race is in jeopardy. And if you don't believe me, don't take my word for it. Google it. Look at what happened in 1978 when Alan Bakke won his suit uh, versus the University of California Davis, where he basically said the quota system at the University of California Davis that allowed a, lot, a number of African-American students to get into medical school hurt him because he was denied. And immediately, quotas were killed, not just in higher education, but in contracting and employment and everything else. So they will take a case that's supposed to be applying only to one area like higher education and take the, the core of that law and begin applying it or challenging it where contracting is concerned and where employment is concerned. So right now, if you're, if you're bidding for a contract, you need to hurry up. If you're thinking about putting your bid, you need to quit thinking and putting it in. The, the billions of dollars that Mr. Armstead is talking about is there now, but trust me, it's only a matter of time before they take this case, this case that, had, that was handed down today on seats in college and apply it to money in your bank account. I want to ask uh, Bob Armstead, who also is a military veteran uh, in the Navy, Bob, what will the today's decision do to the morale of African American men and women all around the world fighting for other people's freedoms? Uh, it, it's devastating, Eddie. And when you consider the fact that the uh, top officials in the uh, Department of Defense testify in support of maintaining affirmative action, uh, so the in the, the court, Jesse, you know, knows this better than I, there was a broad base of support for maintaining affirmative action. There were very specific examples given of how it has improved in your, in answer to your question, uh, the military and how the military will be negatively impacted uh as a result of this decision and one more thing if i may uh jesse it will not start the process of them coming after uh dbe and other programs that have helped minority businesses that is already in place uh stephen miller from the trump campaign has set up six nonprofit organizations whose sole purpose is to challenge any program business related that has any type of affirmative action aspect to it. They challenge the 10% and 15% in the Infrastructure Act. They happened last week to have lost that suit because the company and the organization that they used to file the suit was deemed not to have a basis or right to file the suit, but they will be back. Well, you know, it's really sad because I just posted on my Facebook page uh, some pictures from World War II where Black troops are liberating Jews from concentration camps. And even though Stephen Miller is a white person, he wouldn't get invited uh, to the Charlottesville deal because he's Jewish. And uh, so, you know, it's really unfortunate because maybe some Black troops uh, 
helped save some of his uh, ancestors over there in uh, in Europe during the World War II. That's really unfortunate. So well, I want to do full disclosure. Uh, Washington Equity Now Alliance uh, was uh, invited uh, by the Inslee administration to do a teach-in uh, yesterday, just yesterday, to and over a thousand uh, uh, state employees showed up to hear us guide them on not only the case that that was pending yesterday, obviously, but but the what what door what pathways they had to keep the doors of opportunity open and the doors of diversity open. And we laid out what we expected would be the ruling, and uh, we were we we had seven options, and we were right on four of them. And um, and we recognized that um, in in our in our instruction to them, they needed to know something that I'm just going to repeat here. When I uncovered the fact that not only is Washington State the 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 real birthplace of affirmative action because it came from the father of affirmative action, uh, Art Fletcher, who was a Pasco City Councilman, he won the Republican nomination for Lieutenant Governor statewide. Uh, and then and then lost barely uh, to become the first uh, African American to run statewide and, and win the nomination of either party. And he was later, uh, after working with Governor Dan Evans, he was he was put in place by Richard Nixon to create a program to bring more people of color into the mainstream of our economy. And that program was the Philadelphia plan that he later that later evolved into the affirmative action plan that we know today on the federal level and obviously on the state level. Governor Evans signed into law in 1972, 50 years ago, the affirmative action laws here in Washington state. But the irony of that is that just as we can trace the birthplace of affirmative action back to our state, we also can trace the first attack on affirmative action back to this state, which was Marco DeFunis, a Jewish man, who, who attacked the affirmative action at the University of Washington Law School. And guess what he used? He used the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. So the playbook that was used today to tear down affirmative action came from, came from Washington State, uh, uh, Marco DeFunis attacking the program that came from <laughs> Art Fletcher, who is from Washington State. So our state has a responsibility to not lie down or look in another direction or say those of us that have degrees, okay, I got mine and the next generation, this is their fight. We have to get engaged in this fight. And Eddie is already in, I don't know if he knew it then, but he's planted the seed, the March on Washington, 60 years before it was just gonna be a celebration of 60 years. I hope it can now be the initiation of this movement to reclaim our rights and open these doors of opportunity back open for people of color. I just want to say that uh, Dr. Fletcher and I covered the state in 1998 fighting I-200. Yep. And one of the things he shared with me is the biggest political mistake he ever made in his life was having George, President George H.W. Bush have him to endorse Clarence Thomas. And yep. uh, Dr. Fletcher said, uh, he's not, he's not, he's a, uh, 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 Clarence Tom ass. Yes. Uh, so uh, he coined that phrase. So anyway, uh, you guys hold on for a minute. We're going to take a break and come back. So Eric, let's take this break right quick. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. 
The port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com. At Sound Transit, we not only connect more people to more places, we're making life better for all. We're connecting diverse neighborhoods to an entire region of opportunities, like jobs and school. If you have an ORCA card, you can just tap and go. We have reduced fares for seniors and riders with disabilities. For adults with lower incomes, check out ORCA Lift and pay just a dollar for your ride. To plan your trip or to learn more, visit us at soundtransit.org. Walking your talk? Take us with you. The KKNW app makes streaming our programming easy on your phone or tablet. Of course, you're all broke down. It's a family. We are broke down. I want to thank the Port of Seattle's Diversity Contracting Office, the City of Seattle's uh, Purchasing and Construction Services Department, Sound Transit Office of Civil Rights, Equity, and Inclusion. We'll have um, Maria on his new Chief of Divers- uh, Chief of the Civil Rights Division on soon, and also the SeaTac Bar Group LLC. They own uh, the Africa Lounge and the Mountain Room Bar. After brothers spent all that money, they talk about rebidding the Mountain Room Bar, so we got to deal with that one too. So Corbett, why don't you start sharing with us about uh, you were the project manager on putting this whole program together to disperse this two hundred million dollars to communities of color, and that's headed up by why don't you share the history and the person who was made this possible, Miss Jesse. Yeah, um, it, you know, and it goes back further than when we joined, jumped on in, in terms of supporting and responding to the RFP for, for commerce. I know that there's a lot of folks that were working on this. Um, I think it originally stemmed from um, this community reinvestment fund, uh, stemmed from conversations with Black cannabis uh, businesses that were kind of being, you know, locked out um, and it, and just, just yeah, just the, the idea that uh, you know, millions and millions of dollars is being made off of cannabis um, with the racial disparities that existed for, you know, decades. Um, and even before that, just the, the war on drugs in general and how's that, how that's impacted communities. So, um, Eddie, this is a really uh, in, important kind of opportunity and time for, um, uh, for this investment. Um, there's a lots of, of really great um, opportunities in Washington state. And this particular fund, the Community Reinvestment Fund, was designed to deal with the social, racial, and economic disparities caused by the war on drugs. Um, And we took a a different approach. Our community actually recommended a different approach. So not just thinking about individuals that were harmed because they were incarcerated, but we took a, the community took a broader perspective of that and said, hey, it's not just the individuals, their families were impacted their communities were impacted. We lost leaders, we lost fathers, we lost daughters, we lost people um, in communities of color. And here's the research that backs up from Washington State's own kind of reports over the years about what that impact has been. So this $200 million um, is really designed to deal again with those social, racial and economic disparities 
Um, and there were, it was broken into four categories. And the four categories are economic development, um, legal assistance, reentry services, and violence prevention. Um, when we started our process about nine months ago in helping to inform the plan about, basically, let me back up for a second, Eddie, um, and I'm glad that um, Winesbury is on here too, um, that uh, it, it is, it, there's, there's so much opportunity um, right now uh, to really be able to advance businesses and advance kind of um, some of these, these opportunities that these dollars, even though 200 million, it sounds like a lot, but it's also not a lot. Um, and, and I know that you and, and uh, Jesse talk about different numbers in terms of, you know, contracting with government agencies, construction contract, all of those kinds of things. This 200 million is supposed to be a leveraged amount. So it's not just a drawdown on those 200 millions. It's like, how does that get invested to support um, long-term economic benefit? And so there were certain requirements that we were, uh, legislature told commerce, hey, you can't just come up with a plan and spend the, the money yourself from the account. You have to go out to the community. You have to ask them what they, how they want the dollars to be spent. And that's what we spent the last nine months doing of really trying to figure out um, what community wanted to spend these, these dollars on and how to invest it in a way to be able to drive long-term economic benefit. And by long-term economic benefit, we mean jobs, we mean job retention, we mean business, we mean home ownership, we mean construction, those kinds of things. And so um, out of those four categories, again, economic development, reentry, violence prevention, and legal assistance, we got some really good work uh, done and, and started. So let me just tell you what the, how the dollars are, are kind of rolling out right now. You, you might not hear a lot of information from maybe like the next month from Commerce. And that's because uh, they got to staff up um, some of the, the funding sources. So they have to add a program manager for external communications, those kinds of things for some of the grants. Um, some of them are already being released. And I can tell you what some of those are so people can start to kind of prepare. Um, one of those, uh, there is an interagency agreement with um, Commerce and uh, Employment Security Department that's going down to the Workforce Development Boards. And so every county, King County has a Workforce Development Council, Pierce County has a Workforce Development Council, every region has a council that can kind of distribute those funds. Um, there's some unique opportunities that we put together that those councils have some dollars related to investing into um, targeting by uh, black owned businesses to really be able to um, subsidize wages of new employees and also purchase capital um, things, things related to training, trucks, equipment, anything that they need to train on. So there's an opportunity to align with workforce development councils for that, that work. Another pot of funds went out and I'll be quick, Eddie, cause I know I'm, I'm, no, I'm gonna run into some time, but uh, we also funded um, the Office of Civil and Legal Aid Services to um, start a process for automatic record sealing for those that were eligible. And they're starting with Pearson King County and setting up a roadmap for what that work looks like. Um, there's a huge pot of funds that are set up for violence prevention and reentry services. And those are most social service agencies that should respond through RFP. But there's a, the biggest pot, 120 million out of that 200 is all related to um, 
um, helping businesses grow, Black businesses grow on accessing capital, on lending, and those kinds of things. And so our estimates are that um, is that, that those funds that will go through financial institutions or provide grants and direct lending will be more favorable terms using different alternative uh, means of securing loans and being able to have you know, much better, better favorable terms to be able to leverage the assets that people need. And by assets, it, the home ownership, small business growth, expanding business, and those kinds of things. And so I'll, I'll kind of pause there, Eddie, and just see if there's anything else that I can kind of hit on um, and, and, and open to, to share whatever I can. Where can people get access to the information that you just dispensed on the program? Yeah, so great question. Um, if you go to wa-reinvest.org, wa-reinvest.org, you'll see the project website from um, when we're doing the community engagement. Um, you'll see a list of the recommendations for the funding um, programs. There are 17 different grant programs, our funding programs that we've, we've made recommendations for. And I can tell you that um, I've seen the recent draft with the grammatical er um, edits from Commerce and they did not change a, a will to should or uh, 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 you know, they, they did the, the content has has stayed um, with the committee recommendations, and so I'm really proud that those recommendations are moving forward. To stay up on date, uh, up to date on other opportunities th through the Community Reinvestment Fund, um, if you Google Community Reinvestment Account and Department of Commerce in Washington State, it should be the top listing on that Google search. You click on that web page, and then there's a, a listserv. And that listserv that you can sign up through for email will have announcements for um, funding opportunities, job opportunities, <clears throat> partnership opportunities. And so we really, really want to encourage people to know the grants and know the investments that are coming down um, and also be on the, uh, the email list um, for when they get released. Um, and so we'll, we'll want to try to, it, everything has to be spent in the next two years. Um, and so it's important that we get our folks, Black people and Black communities, um, knowing about the resources that that um, are coming down. Well, Corbett, that's an outstanding report. How can people get in touch with you? I, you know, so I'm Googleable. Uh, if, <laughs> if if you Google uh, Corbett uh, Mosley, M-O-S-E-S-L-Y, um, I should show up at the top link. Um, people can set meetings with me. They can. Uh, text me. I, I'm completely I'm in this project. I, I believe in it. Um, I'm volunteering for it. People can reach out. I can share information about specific recommendations and help um, folks access the, um, the funding that's available. And, and Eddie, just thank you for the opportunity to be able to share this information. You've had me back three times now. Uh, this is my third time, and I really appreciate uh, the opportunity to share this information with um, your, your listeners. Anytime a brother can talk about 200 million coming to the hood, it's always going to be welcome on this program. We can't get it anywhere else. So I want to thank you for the outstanding job you've been doing, brother. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Thank you. Okay, Eric, we're going to go ahead and go right to Ms. Kabibi Monet, the founder of New Black Arts West, and to Daniel Williams, who is uh, the CEO of Legacy Leadership Ministries. And uh, they're involved with bringing Dr. Boyce Watkins uh, to the Taylor Hub on July 8th. So I want to start with my friend, uh, Kabibi, if you could start right at 
Let us know what's going to be coming up on July 8th. We'd appreciate that. You, you're on mute. You, you're on mute. We can't hear you, darling. We can't hear you. Daniel, why don't you go ahead? I'll try to give you a call. There you go. There you go. There you go. Eddie, thank you so much for having us. Um, what we're talking about is right in line with uh, what is being taught here and spoken here. Dr. Boyce Watkins um, is an amazing, amazing leader that we need to really be paying close attention to. He has a book called The Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power. And in this book that he has written, you can get uh, so much information on how we can start taking control of our destinies, of our wealth and our growth. This class is going to offer Mastering the Principles of Black Economic Power, Transforming Your Family into a Multi-Million Dollar Institution, Engaging in Thought-Provoking Discussions with Like-Minded Individuals. It's a training that will help us grab hold to the wealth that should be ours through reparations, but since it isn't, then he can give us the the guidance that we need to empower our people. And that's what Daniel and I are all about, is empowering our people so that we can show the world our greatness again. You heard, I'm, and I mean again, because we started it. We had the, the you know, the Mansa Mooses and the Head Shepsits and the, we had, you know, uh, a place in history that was a greatness. And it's time for us to achieve that again. Daniel, I'm gonna let you talk because you're coming from a spiritual uh, connection with yes, and I'm coming from a spiritual one as well. But mm -hmm. you'll throw some scripture out there at us. <laughs> better believe it. Better believe it. If it's not in the word, it don't deserve to be heard. That's, That's right. my philosophy. Right. So you know, in Hosea four six, you know, it says it right in the right, right, right in the word. It's not my words. It says, "My people perish for the lack of knowledge." And when I look at that and I say, wow, that's that's my people. And it's so unfortunate. It's one reason why I named my company Legacy Leaders Ministries, because we are not taught how to leave a legacy. Wealth is passed down. It's not taught. And now we have an opportunity for Dr. Boyce Watkins to come in town to really share with us the blueprint to get the foundation on how to create generational wealth. There was no wealth 101 or 102 that any of us on here could go to. Even though what, what 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 my man Jesse Weinberg going all the way to the pinnacle of being an attorney, even in law school, he didn't get a wealth 101 or wealth 102 option as an elective. But now we got an opportunity for him to come here in our backyard to be able to grace us with some knowledge and wisdom. He taught at the universities, Syracuse universities. He's a math professor. You know, men and women lie, but the numbers don't. I'm going to say that again. Men and women lie, but the numbers don't. But we are not taught the numbers. We're not taught how. The one thing I'm very, very, very impressed with, Dr. Boyce Watkins, what made me break, uh, embrace uh, Khabibi when she asked me was, the first time I watched Dr. Boykins, I heard him say this. Everybody out there right now, you need to make sure you have an insurance plan. You need to make sure your legacy is set. And that's something that's not taught because... I know when I grew up, I thought life insurance was all about death, mm -hmm. but it's so much more. And now I know I'm putting myself and my family in position to get a dividend check for life. Yes. And also 
with uh, Dr. Boyce. He's teaching the blueprint. Now, another thing, I have a passion for youth. Uh, I was a life coach for youth. And one thing, I want them to learn as well as early as possible. I believe the the Jewish cultures and the Jewish culture and other cultures, they embrace their children early on how to create wealth. One of the things I will say about uh, Dr. Boyce is three, three workbooks that he have. You see, that's called what? Black Millionaires of Tomorrow. And you see up in that corner? For high schoolers. He has this all the way from first grade up to high school to adults like us. So this one is on money because you and I know money and the fool is soon to depart. I was a fool at one point, but when you know better, you do better. All right. This one right here is what? Black millionaires tomorrow for high school, but it's talking about stocks. Most of our culture are really blind to the fact of even how to get a stock. Today, he was talking about the stock on his show, two stocks. He was talking about Netflix and Disney. You and I know that those are two prominent stocks, but is that taught in our community? Also, I want to let you know that Dr. Boyce is the, the owner and creator of the Black Business School. There is none like him, the Black Business School. Lastly, I want to let you know right here, this one again, Black Millionaires of Tomorrow. Putting it in the mind. You and I know everybody on here knows that wealth doesn't start with a course. It starts here. It starts here in believing that it's possible and that you deserve and you have the right to obtain wealth. But it has to be taught because it's literally passed down. So I'm thankful. I'm just looking for an opportunity to really just 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 seeing them and just soak it up. You yeah. know, all my days I'm gonna I'm gonna soak up wisdom, knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. And as much of what and wisdom is the most important. And if I can get that, I'm good. But everybody can come. Invest in yourself. I'm just telling you right now, everybody on here, the best investment that you can ever make. It's in yourself. So I'm saying everybody that's listening, invest $149 in yourself. And I promise you, knowledge isn't just power. Matter of fact, knowledge isn't power. Applied knowledge is power. So when you pay the 149 you come take notes, prominent notes. You get a VIP ticket. There's about 40 left right now. Get you a VIP ticket so you can be in that second or third row and be able to soak it up and turn that 149 yeah. to tenfold and some of you a hundredfold it's yes. just a matter of it's all about what you put in yourself i'm gonna say this you only get out of life what you put into it not okay. me not eddie not kabibi but it's what you put into it right. so take some time order your tickets today get in before tickets sell out because unfortunately i like to have him back but we don't know if he's going to come back That's because right. he's a wanted man he's a multi-millionaire and we're just asking him, please grace us with about four hours of your knowledge and wisdom so you can teach our community and we can take life to the next level. I'm living my dream life. God is my witness. But guess what? Mm -hmm. I want others to live their dream That's life. Right. too. It's Amen. just not about me. I'm just a vessel passing through. Just like Dr. Boyce Watkins, he's a vessel passing through Seattle, Washington. Get on that vessel and soak up as much knowledge and wisdom as you can so we all can win. Amen. Mm -hmm. Okay. Amen, amen. Khabibi, can you uh, give us, the, before we go, just let people know how they can get the information about seeing uh, Dr. Boyce Watkins on July 8th at the Taylor Hub? Okay, yes. Um, one, you can call Tabor 
100. The address, by the way, for people that um, want to get tickets or uh, want to be there, you have to get your tickets on online, but the um, workshop itself is going to be at 7100 Fort Dent Way, Suite 100. That's in Tequila, Washington, and that will be um, July Say again, yeah, from 10, from 10 to... Okay, we'll announce again next week. So uh, 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 Daniel Naeem Williams, uh, CEO of Legacy Ministries, thank you. Kabibi, founder of New Black Arts West and the sponsor of Dr. Boyce Watkins' uh, visit here. We appreciate both of you. We're going to take a, a quick break and come back and talk some more about the U.S. Supreme Court uh, and their decision today. So here, we'll take this break and come right back. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community, and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.ctacshops.com. At Sound Transit, we not only give people more reliable ways to get around, we're connecting diverse neighborhoods to an entire system of opportunities, like jobs, school, friends and family, and to the airport. Our commitment to economic development provides opportunities for women and people of color to compete fairly for sound transit contracts. All of this helps our regional workforce grow and thrive. Go to soundtransit.org and search DBE to learn more. Some people know a good thing when they hear it. Alternative Talk 1150. Here he comes up with some relevant music uh, in the background. And anyway, I want to thank once again the Port of Seattle's University Contracting Office with me and Rice, the City of Seattle's Purchasing and Construction Services Department, Sound Transit's Office of Civil Rights, Equity, and Inclusion, SeaTac Bar Group LLC that owns the Africa Lounge and the Mountain Room Bar on Concourse A at SeaTac. And the Africa Lounge is rated as uh, one of the top 10 restaurants in all the airports in the United States of America. So, uh, want to go back to Bob Armstead and Jesse, uh, Attorney Jesse Weinberry to talk about now the Supreme Court has ruled that affirmative action in the college's missions is null and void. We know contracting is next. So Jesse Weinberry and Bob Armstead, and go with Jesse, the lawyer first. What should people be doing to fight back? You're still muted, sir. I'm sorry about that, Eddie. Num number one, uh, uh, Washington Equity now has the complete opinion uh, and we are uh, uh, actually uh, taking it down, condensing it, so you don't have to be a lawyer to understand what they've done to us. And so in plain, simple language, that's going to be coming up. Uh, we're, I'm going to be meeting with the president of Seattle University after this meeting. Uh, that campus is opening up for, for uh, our entire community to come and hear from uh, experts on this issue uh, we're going to be setting a date. Obviously, it will be after the 4th of July weekend, but uh, uh, stay tuned for that. We will be bringing together the entire Washington State community 
at, at I think Pigott Auditorium or one of those auditoriums so that we can teach not only what, what the court has said, but how we can still keep the doors of opportunity open. And the one thing I wanna plant a seed on, and I mentioned it before, we, you know, God works in mysterious ways. We have the 60th anniversary of the March on Washington coming up. And normally that would be a celebration of it being the 60th anniversary, but I hope that we can work with those who are organized on a national level and people like Eddie who are organized on a local level to make that about overturning, overturning the injustice of this decision, because it can be overturned. We have to start now moving the case up the process so that we can overturn this and keep the doors of opportunity open for the next generation who are going to need an education. They're going to need opportunity. They're going to need jobs. They're going to need contracts. And if we let this go, then we may as well tell the next generation that we have abandoned them. And I'm sure we won't. We wouldn't be here if it weren't for previous generations uh, keeping the fight together, like Art Fletcher, who created affirmative action, like Eddie and, and others, and uh, uh, Bob Armstead, who are keeping it alive. And it's time for us to use these points of celebration, of historic celebration, like the March on Washington, to be the opportunity to educate the masses of people on what the Supreme Court decision means in their personal lives, and then engaging them so that we can take action in every state and every city to stop what is otherwise going to be a major nail in the coffin of, of opportunity, of diversity, and equity. Well, I'm going to be, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, Martin Luther King Commemoration Committee, I think you've already seen email even before this decision was made. Right. We had a, we had a feeling that we had to you know, it was going to be a celebration of the 60th anniversary of the March on Washington for for uh, uh, for freedom and and jobs. And now here we are, 60 years later, with the same fights. And what really <laughs> irks me, I guess, is that some folks who are newcomers, you know, uh, going to be uh, against black folks. And had not been for black folks, they wouldn't have any civil rights. Right. Because the 1964 Civil 63 March on Washington was to get our civil rights, our voting rights. There weren't a whole bunch of people of color involved in that. Okay. And when I was living in Louisiana as a little boy up to 10 years old, only people that had to ride in the back of the bus were black folks. Everybody else rode in the front of the bus. They didn't drink out the colored fountain. Okay. They didn't sit in the balcony in the movie theater. Okay. They didn't, they weren't born in Charity Hospital on the colored side or go to West Freeport Colored Elementary School. So uh uh, you know, a lot of people out there, and it's, it's really it really irked me to see what happened in 2019 down in, in Olympia, where you had uh, Chinese immigrants who couldn't speak English making derogatory remarks about black folks. And right. you know, now we got our troops talking about protecting people. And we got to let the Defense Department know, uh-uh, black military people need to be in the United States of America. Our fight is here. It is not on foreign shores, on foreign seas. It's in Lake Washington and the Puget Sound, okay? So if you're going to have the Navy anywhere, have them there. Because we also have some other haters in the terms of Proud Boys, yeah. uh, neo-Nazis, and also uh, people who are in the middle, in the government, like Ron DeSantis, whose uh, great-grandfather sailed by the, the Statue of Liberty. And he wants people to forget what Black people have experienced, the degradation, the slavery, and we knock down all the walls, and then we have people coming in, like we saw the elected leaders in, in Los Angeles making these derogatory remarks, along with a labor leader trying to cut Black folks out of the pie in Los Angeles. So we have a lot more to fight than just white racism. We got racism coming up from a lot of different communities, and, and folks have to. Now, I admit 
that uh, Jesse, with our relationships with the Asian leaders that are stand for equity and inclusion, they, we were shoulder to shoulder in the fight. We yeah. do have some other people that are not so uh, not really that in, in, encouraged to step up and do the right thing, self-centered, and it's just really too bad. But uh, that, so this uh, 60th anniversary, August 28, uh, 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 2023, is the 60th anniversary of a march we had where Dr. King gave his famous I Have a Dream speech to get Black folks their civil rights in 64, Black folks their voting rights, and everybody else participated on the backs of us in the struggle. Now, I will admit, like the Japanese American Citizens League was in Selma in, in 1965, and they were there in 2015. So like I said, I'm not making disparaging remarks about all folks uh, who are Asian, but I'm just saying uh, there are some folks who are uh, totally against Black folks. They made their racist remarks in Olympia during the hearing in 2019. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, that, that was stinging. But also we saw other Asian leaders stand up and support equity for all. So Bob, you have a comment. We got about a minute or two left. Okay, two real quickly. Uh, Representative Rohana from California who represents an Asian district made a statement this morning that the immigration laws that allowed his family and other Asian and Arabic and other families to come into the United States those laws only came into effect because of the Civil Rights Act. Yeah. So anyone who's not supportive have need to look into their heritage. Secondly, uh, I wanna make a quick comment about uh, Jesse's statement about acting now. He is spot on. Uh, okay. As I stated earlier, the Infrastructure Act has already been challenged. We're out, we're out, I'm sorry, we're out of time. We have to pursue it again next week. But I want everybody to know this program will be available in an hour or two after this live broadcast. It'll be available on Alexa, my podcast for 24-7. And uh, uh, we'll get together and have a confab. And uh, Jesse, I think it'd be good for every winner to set something up and include all these folks like... Uh, 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 Daniel Williams, who's the CEO of Legacy Leadership Ministries, Khabibi, yes. uh, New Black Arts West, and all our contacts. Yes. We've got to fight. we got to show our young folks what the fight looks like. That's it. Uh, and uh, once we get them out there, it'll be a different story altogether. Thank you guys so much, very, very, very much for being here today. And thank you for what you're doing. And it's time for us to fight. And uh, Legacy Leaders, uh, uh, the leaders of uh, Legacy Leaders of Ministries, keep praying and yes, we'll sir. keep fighting. Okay, Come on. that's it. Teamwork okay. make the dream work. Let's do it together. All we right, now thank y'all. I will see oh. you later. Thanks, Eric. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.